Compliance, the final frontier. Tom Fox is the voyager of trekking through compliance. His mission, to explore the original series and seek out and share what it can teach you about compliance. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I would like to welcome you to a special Encore series of Trekking Through Compliance. This series will focus on the 2020 television show, Picard. In this series, I'm joined by Megan Doherty. Megan is co-founder and partner at One Stone Creative, a podcast production firm. Megan is a Star Trek aficionado, although a Voyager Star Trek aficionado. And as all you listeners know, I'm an original series aficionado. Nevertheless, we both love Jean-Luc Picard, and we are going to explore the lessons learned and the shows and our love for Star Trek in the context of Picard. So sit back and enjoy this special presentation from Trekking Through Compliance. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with Megan Doherty for yet another episode of Tracking Through Compliance, where we're taking a look at Picard, the television series. Today, we are at Episode 7, Nepenthe. Megan, first of all, uh, welcome. Thank you very much. Well, and the question of the day is, has Canada had to seal the border so that the ravaging hordes of the United States (laughs) coronavirus don't come across the border? Well, I mean, it's it's the world's largest undefended and most porous border. So, I mean, whether they do or not may end up being immaterial. Uh, the the provinces I live in or near are pretty close to being on lockdown, though. The uh, I think they're probably a few days away from being on more of a lockdown. But um, my wife's working from home probably for the next six weeks, and so we just decided it would be a good time to stay home. And then. Except for grocery stores or other emergencies, we've got all we need and plenty of wide open spaces that we can walk or bike. And uh, so we're just going to do that. And it's a great time to rewatch every episode of every Star Trek franchise. Exactly. (laughs) Bright sides all around. All around. A flashback reveals that Commodore O mind melded with uh, Jurati to convince her of the danger of synthetic life and then had her ingest a tracking device. Picard takes Soji to Riker and Deanna Troy's home on the planet of Nepenthe. They offer Picard sanctuary, and their daughter Kestra tries to befriend Soji. Mm-hmm. Soji learns that she's an android and has trouble trusting anyone after Narek's betrayal, and I would add after she comes out. Or is is outed, perhaps even better. Uh, she does tell them about her dream, and Kestra is able to learn the planet's location from a family friend. Hope we see him again. Kestra convinces Soji <laughs> to trust Picard, a hard task. Meanwhile, Narissa kills Hugh and other ex-Borg, but before dying, Hugh tells Elnor that he needs to uh, needs a former Borg to activate the Queen's cell and take control of the artifact. Elnor uses an SOS beacon uh, Seven left Picard to call for help. La Serena's crew tries to get to Nepenthe, but they are being chased by Narek, who is following the tracker, which is inside Girardi. Feeling guilty, Girardi uses a neurotoxin to put herself into a coma. 
you disable the tracker, La Serena eventually reaches Nepenthe and picks up Picard and Soji. Um, having read that again, uh, that doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of what, what was going on in this one. Um, so let me just start. I really want to know, how did you feel when you saw Troy and or Riker? Oh, my heart. <laughs> it felt really good. It was so nice to see them. Uh, I think I, there may have been squealing, probably not to the level of when Seven of Nine reappeared. Um, but it, it was, it, and uh, this whole series has a lot of the like nostalgia feeling like, oh yeah, okay, I'm back home with my friends again. Uh, it, it I thought it was really lovely. How, what, what was your experience of it? So I was surprised when I first saw Troy, it was like, oh cool, that's Troy. When I saw Riker, I was really emotionally moved by that. But the other thing though was, it seemed to me... Not only, and, and of course, he is a very different Riker now, um, but their relationship was very different. And it was no longer uh, captain number one, you know, master commander mm-hmm. or whatever that hierarchy may have been. Uh, it was almost as if the student had become the teacher mm-hmm. in many ways, uh, but they were at the very least equal. And yeah, that. That's true. And, uh, you know, part of that was being in his home. but And part of it, I, I'd also had not fully appreciated the height difference between the two. And mm-hmm. he seemed to tower over Picard, Riker did. And I really, this, this episode, I really felt like uh, Picard showed his age. And there was a scene where uh, Soji hit him, uh, which... I think demonstrated that a little bit, um, but uh, it, it seemed that the student had become the master here, and uh, Riker was quick-witted. He was able to make deductions that took some of us a little bit longer <laughs> to make. That was a great part, though. That was really good. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you, you kind of wondered, or at least I wondered, if he is still that sharp, why is he not on active duty? <clears throat> um with Starfleet. But uh, anyway, it, it, it really was emotional and it was so cool. Uh, I'm not sure I knew, I guess I knew they were in there, but still when I saw them the first time, particularly Riker, um, and uh, because he had such a close relationship with Picard, you know, maybe if Beverly Crusher had been there, it would have been the same because she, mm-hmm. she probably had the closest relationship uh, to Picard of anyone on the uh, Enterprise, but uh, it was still wonderful uh, as well. Uh, now let me take it in a little bit different direction. And in, in this one, uh, I did feel a little sadness, which was on the death of Hugh. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> um, did, did he have to die? Uh, did his death, did it have larger uh, symbolism? Um, of of all the Borg to die, you know, why him? Although it turns out thousands of Borgs die and some fairly mm-hmm. gruesome uh, methods from the Romulans. But did, do you think as a plot device he had to die? I know it, it kind of, I mean, it was, it was heartbreaking because he was such a, a, a charming and, and emotionally driven character. And it, it kind of felt you know, at the beginning of the series, like Nar- Narissa, the Romulan, was like cartoonishly evil. And then, like, um, uh, that character from the 
cloud planet. Every name has escaped me at the moment. Uh, but just like the, the cartoonish yeah. evil that the bad guys have deployed, that, that kind of felt like it was in line with that rather than a really moving plot device. I mean, I guess, you know, on the surface, obviously, Hugh had to die so that Elnor would be challenged to find his way off the Borg cube or possibly destroy it alone. Um, but ouch. Like, <laughs> that was... <laughs> He'd been working so hard, and he'd achieved so much. <laughs> that's what I. That's what I thought. He he had gone uh, so far, both in his own personal journey and his professional mm-hmm. journey, to really uh, uh, had made it his life's mission to to help the former Borgs, uh, XBs, um, and um, I just was really sad to, to see him go. Uh, that that character actually had more impact on me than than I had originally mm-hmm. thought. And I guess it was kind of implied that all of the XBs on the cube were eliminated. Because if, if that was like the, the lost cause of trying to take control from the Romulans was having an XB, I, I kind of took from that it might be, mean that they right. were all gone, um, which is also pretty grotesque. So what did you think about Kestra? What a great character. What a great kid. I really enjoyed her. So is that what you were, kind of the smartest girl in the class, perkiest? And, you know, you just uh, <laughs> had all of this energy and uh, there wasn't anybody who could keep up with you. Not, not me personally. I've got, I've got at least one cousin who was a lot like that. Um, I, I was more on the definitely imagining, but always imagining like I lived in the past. <laughs> and like, oh, let's pretend to be a farmer kind of thing. But um, no, I, I thought she was really sweet and really smart. Um, and it was really cool to have a child interacting with Soji. Um, Cause I think right. that really allowed, it, it was easier for Soji to trust a child uh, probably cause there've been fewer children in her life. And so less of a context for children being horrible and lying to her and torturing her. Uh, you know, kids are, are more innocent. So she was able to trust Kestra, I think in a way that she couldn't trust um, the Rikers or Picard or anyone else. You know, it's interesting because I thought what you've just detailed could only have been done through Kestra because mm-hmm. only a child would be that direct, uh, yeah. unfiltered. And um, and plainly approving of the weird. Yes. And yeah. <laughs> the weird. Uh, yeah, your sense of what? Okay, let's, let's move on. Okay, we've identified that we, you know, no, we don't yeah. need it. Uh, Let, let's talk about the cool details that you probably haven't considered yet. <laughs> right, exactly. But she... Uh, and, you know, the, I really like the scene where within, you know, 60 seconds, she communicates with a family friend, uh, obviously, you know, an old codger who figures out what planet <laughs> uh, Soji was from. I thought that was extraordinarily cool. Mm-hmm. I hope we get to meet that character in the next episode. I sure hope so. Captain Crandall, because he sounds really cool. So what did you think about the either the deep secret, the tragedy, the darkness that uh, really still encompasses that entire family. Oh, the, um, the, the, the death of Thaddeus. Right. That was, um, well, I think that that's probably would be my guess as to why Riker wasn't really a part of active Starfleet anymore. Cause after they came to Nepenthe, you know, to try and try and heal um, the kid, I imagine he wouldn't go back after that. Um, not, not when he had like Deanna and, and Kestra to, to take care of. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is it was kind of a, a heartbreaking revelation that a positronic matrix could have cured him like easily and simply 
right. um, but they weren't on the table anymore. So that, yeah, plot plot wise, I, I'm not sure why, but it, maybe it was just in there for the emotional impact because it was really hard to watch. You know, it was interesting because um, <clears throat> Deanna was very concerned about Kestra and Kestra's just incredibly deep-seated grief and that she was only overcoming it a little bit every day. Um, I thought that was Deanna mm-hmm. talking about herself. Uh, I thought she was projecting that on mm-hmm. her daughter uh, as as a way to try to be an adult, and it was Deanna who is still in the darkness, who is still in the grief, uh, and that cloud is over her, and and when something like that happens, it, it's really, uh, my experience has been that it just, at some point it lifts, but you don't know when, you don't know how, uh, you kind of go through the motions mm-hmm. until it does lift, uh, but it does. And when it lifts, it lifts. But, uh, it seemed to me that this had happened some years ago and that Deanna was, was still grieving mm-hmm. and still in a very dark place. Uh, it, I, I can only imagine, I mean, I've got no real understanding of what that would feel like. I mean, I can only imagine like losing a child, especially one you know could have been saved. It was it was pretty dark. I, I loved um she's still really present for others, even feeling this though, right? And she connected immediately with Soji. I loved when she dressed down Picard for being a jerk. Uh that was an awesome moment. <laughs> She was, she was like some real truths were coming out there. She's like, no, you're really not having any empathy whatsoever to this actual person. Uh, you know, you're not treating this person very well, and maybe you should do a better job at that. And I thought that was really interesting because Picard's on this mission to help Soji, um, but he is kind of being a dick about it. If you'll forgive the language, <laughs> he's expecting a lot from her. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, there goes our PG rating for this podcast. Oh no, I just made it explicit. What a rookie mistake. I have to change my <laughs> megaphone rating now. Crazy Canadians. So what um what about Sochi's journey in this? Uh, you're absolutely right. Picard was being a jerk and uh Sochi called him out for it as did uh, uh, Kestra and frankly Troy and Riker uh, as well but Sochi it just seemed you know and within the space of about 15 minutes if we go back to the end of the prior episode and into this one like nope you're not human you're synth let's keep moving get on with it no big deal you know this guy you thought you were in love with turned out to be a Romulan spy but don't worry we're headed to your home plan yeah, can't hurt you anymore. Uh, and it just seemed like there was a whole lot there that that we could have seen her process if we had a, an episode or, or two to do so. But it, that just seemed to me to just fly by. And uh, I guess they had to do that, but she seemed to be really going through a lot. It also could have been an effort to make her seem less human. Now that it's kind of out there that she's a synth, mm-hmm. that kind of like hyper-fast emotional processing or lack of need for processing could be part of the high I'm a synth signaling. So what did you think about the uh, the great, and you referenced it earlier, the great scene between Riker and Picard where Riker synthesizes the entire plot line <laughs> over, the, over the course <laughs> of uh, cutting a tomato to put it on his pizza to, and then putting the pizza in his uh, uh, <laughs> oven for cooking. 
memories of Riker, like he was always sharp and witty, right? And so seeing him kind of just pick up on everything that quickly, it was it was delightful. Right. Um, from a here's an old friend uh, that I'm seeing be awesome again. Um, and it, maybe also I mean, he is kind of you know he's firing quicker than Picard is. Um, you know he's being he's synthesizing what's going right. on, uh, and and kind of taking the pressure of revealing it off of Picard as well, which is kind of a kindness. Um, because Picard wants to deal with everything himself, is the best captain of all time, blah, blah, blah. And Riker's just like, no, you're in trouble. Here's what I know about your trouble, and now we're going to help you, so stop being whiny. <laughs> you know, stop being noble. <laughs> what was your take? Once again, we had some fabulously choreographed fight scenes. Uh, this time we had um, Elnor mm-hmm. and Nerissa uh, pairing off. And uh, I was really intrigued when she put her gun down back in its what we would call a holster, and uh, she fought hand to hand with Elnor. Now she didn't defeat him; um, and she killed Hugh so that she could escape. But it was still a fabulous fight scene. What were your thoughts? It was. I thought it was kind of funny that it seemed like Elnor had never really considered the possibility of a firearm. <laughs> Maybe that's outside of his. <laughs> He's just like, oh wait, guns are a thing. <laughs> Better. <laughs> Right. I don't know. She put it. Maybe she wanted the challenge. Maybe she she'd heard of the the order of nuns and was just like, "Oh, awesome! My chance to fight one." Well, that that's what I thought it was. She realized, uh, although obviously male, um, he represented mm-hmm. that order, and and they are uh, death death enemies, and she mm-hmm. wanted to best him in hand to hand combat, literally. That probably does uh, wonders for your street cred, cred in the Tal Shiar. If you. <laughs> Uh, probably so. Um, we only saw Narek in just a couple of scenes, and mm-hmm. he is uh, following via the tracker device. Um, I really thought the way he was portrayed, and these are like 15 seconds maybe, maybe mm-hmm. 30 seconds max, but I really got the feeling that he may even be more snarky than I had thought he was uh, because he had – he just had that kind of look about him. Did you get any sense one way or the other in those short scenes? Uh, I, I think I kind of glossed over what was going on with him because I was so distracted by what was happening with Agnes and Raffi. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, I, I didn't pick up a lot from, from Narek on this one. Early on, we saw the uh, scene where Commander O mind melds with Jurati. And I have to say I was very confused by that because I thought only Vulcans could mind meld. So is that? See, I thought O was a Vulcan. See, I thought she was a Romulan, um, mm-hmm. uh, masking, uh, portraying herself as a Vulcan, and that's how she got in. Okay, yes, yes. Um, must must maybe a real Vulcan. Well, it, either she's a real Vulcan and we're in real trouble, or she, <laughs> uh, the Romulans have power of uh, mind meld, and then we're in trouble for that. Um, as well. So, but throughout, I was trying to think mm-hmm. back in any of the series, uh, previous series, I don't recall a Vulcan ever, excuse me, a Romulan ever mind melding. Although, as we do know, they're distant cousins. Yeah, it's been, it's kind of hard to tell them apart now that the um, Romulans have had their makeover in this series. <laughs> it used to be a lot yeah. easier to figure out who was who. Uh, I right. thought it was it was nice um, to finally get a little more information about what was going on and kind of what I mean I don't think we were really kind of given much about what she actually saw um but it obviously right. was very impactful um 
and the tracking device. That scene where she was chewing the tracking device, that was really viscerally uncomfortable. Did that make you feel really weird? Like, I was watching that, and I was just like, oh, yeah, I can feel that in my bones. <laughs> that feels bad. I thought this one really was less of moving the plot forward and more of allowing us to uh, revel in nostalgia. There's a strong possibility that this was like the Riker show. <laughs> and I'm not sad. Like, I'm not mad about it. The Riker show was great. Just lots of waves of emotion when I saw Troy and Riker. And, and I'll, I'll still remember that about this episode. Some great fight scenes. We did learn mm-hmm. some information. Introduction of a great new character, Kestra. I wish we were going to have a series in the future where she, she was in it. Because um, I'm sure she'd be uber mm-hmm. cool in whatever she did. So any cookies that caught your eye? Not so much on this one. Not so much. Uh, the the yeah. heart, the, the diotanium heart uh, was, was kind of fun. Right. So I think that was from a TNG episode where that was inserted. And also just implies some really cool medical tech, uh, which is always interesting from, from Star Trek. Yeah, this one to me just seemed like the cookies were right up front. and Yeah, the cookies were yeah. the Rikers. That was, that was what they were giving yeah. us. We did, do we really need more than that? Probably not so right. much. Well, uh, till the next episode, Megan, I look forward to uh, continuing the conversation. Same here. Thank you, Tom. If you enjoyed this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, you can help it grow by sharing it with the biggest Trek fan you know. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.